0: Before the game kicks off, let's ramp it up with college football overtime. Here's, here's, here's Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon.
1: We still have bowl games and active football. Football to be played here over the next couple of days. So let's start here on Thursday night. As of this recording on Wednesday, this is tomorrow. But as of the time that you're watching this podcast, this is later today. The Boca Raton Bowl. Florida, well, so I,
0: I, I want to pause you real quick and just go back to some of the games that we hadn't talked about when we recorded last podcast uh, Garrett Old Dominion was up twenty eight nothing yes oh West, yes. Western Kentucky I, I said some real dumb stuff uh, I feel I feel free to skip that one don't go back and listen to what <laughs> I said they were up twenty eight nothing at the time and I made some some sly comments hmm. uh, Western Kentucky actually came all the way back and they went to overtime and Western Kentucky wins that game the toastery bowl uh in addition to the big win there was some nonsense celebrations with pieces of bread afterwards so i do urge you to go on social media and check out the toast phone and all sorts of nonsense there was a toast angel going on i mean it was it was pretty funny
1: bowl season is all about abe gordon it is about fun and weird stuff that people do So we'll continue
0: continue the weirdness Tuesday night, UTSA and Marshall. It it, it starts to come down that UTSA quarterback Frank Harris is trending towards not playing in this game. So uh, instead of Frank Harris uh, 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 playing in this game, what we end up with is Cole Pennington for Marshall and Owen McCown for UTSA. And UTSA does pull ahead 35-17. uh uh uh, to win this game but you've got the son of josh mccown the son of chad pennington and everyone else just feels old at this point but uh bowl season has continued throughout the week uh it has been fun to watch these games uh and that now brings us garrett appreciate you giving me some leniency there of course uh, to thursday's game south florida and syracuse i am very excited this one uh obviously Syracuse has gone through a head coaching change Fran Brown has brought some real excitement to this program both through the transfer portal through some of the recruits I mean he's really got some stuff going obviously we won't see it on Thursday night uh but there's an energy around that program and on the flip side I know South Florida didn't have the greatest season uh, of all time Uh, but they are playing decently close to home, obviously just a couple of hours drive. It was a six and six season for them. But if you don't know about South Florida, they have legitimately one of the uh, most uh, electric offenses in the entire country. They can really put points on the scoreboard. So I'm looking forward to this game uh, uh, quite a lot. I I think this one could be a fun, high-scoring, back-and-forth affair. Uh, I I know Syracuse has some issues along the quarterback depth chart Mm-hmm. uh going in there i don't know maybe tommy devito's got some uh got some eligibility left there but uh i think this is gonna be a fun one garrett
1: yeah and garrett trader i think just announced that he was shut down for the season yeah uh he of course was the uh longtime quarterback uh not long time i guess he he had transferred up there and he was the sometime starting quarterback. quarterback this he, he was the sometime quarterback <laughs> there at <laughs> syracuse um but i do know by the end of the season dino babers had transitioned this team to kind of an option offense um they didn't throw the ball too much. They had a tight end lining up. You think to keep that with Kyle McCord next year? No, I don't. <laughs> think I don't particularly think so. Um, Laquint Allen was the really the cog of the offense. He was the running back, over a thousand yards, nine touchdowns for those guys, and they they really just, they just made it work, you know, because they knew that they had games still to play, and and look, credit to Dino Babers, and uh, of course he they've moved on from Dino Babers, but credit to him. I mean, he got the guys up, and and they kept playing, and they he's the reason they're playing in this bowl game. Um, I I can't say that I necessarily agreed with the decision to move on from Dino Babers, just based off of the way that players were rallying around him. But the energy that exists around the program right now with Fran Brown, I think it's it, it was a great hire for them so far. So far, so good, and it's it's hard to win a hire just three weeks into your tenure as a head good coach. good Start though, but it's a hell of a start. Yeah, I do want to say this about USF. Because Alex Golish is the head coach over there for the Bulls, and he inherited a one in 11 squad. They haven't played in a bowl game since 2018. And you said that they are one of the best offenses in the country. Yeah, it's because they play fast. They have 83 offensive plays per game, which leads FBS. 83. That's an incredibly high number. Byron Brown just announced that he's coming back. He had is one of two players. It was him and Jaden Daniels who threw for 3,000 yards and ran for 700. Uh, They have some momentum really for the first time in a long time. USF is doing a lot of good things right now, but I do want to move into uh, the Gasparilla bowl, two teams who really are going to want to play a lot of offense. Uh, Georgia tech. Of course, this was the game that got their head coach fired. Jeff Collins, the coach there with the yellow jackets for about three seasons last season. They lost pretty ugly down there in Orlando, or I guess, no, it was down there in Orlando. Um, It was a pretty ugly game. And Georgia Tech, of course, is playing in their first bowl game since 2018. Honestly, we got the Jekyll and Hyde performances from them, but Haynes King and this offense, they have been playing at such a high level. Eric Singleton, the the All-American wide receiver, uh, American, uh, excuse me, the freshman honorable mention All-American, um, it's kind of a mouthful, but Jamal Haynes, of course, this group runs for 225 yards per game their The defense is going to be playing without Kyle Kennard. They're going to have to somehow slow down a central Florida offense. That is 20th in rushing success rate, 233 yards per game on the ground. This is a really interesting group. I think there are going to be a lot of points in this one. So if you like points, this is the game for you.
0: Yeah, you know, what's interesting to me is that this is one of the few games where I feel both teams are truly invested. I think it's an easy sell uh, for Georgia yeah. Tech and, and Haynes King and Brent Key uh, in his first year as the full-time head coach reaching a bowl game. Um, at the end of the day, uh, you take a look at their their season. Uh, one of the biggest goals was just get to six wins, mm-hmm. get to a bowl game, and they accomplished that. Um, and, and they should head into this game feeling very proud uh, of the job that they've done this year no matter how it got done um and, and, and you like to see a team that play i always feel like if a team is loose um they'll they'll play well uh, georgia tech should treat this as a celebration uh, of the season they've had uh and, and then ucf uh, obviously uh, you're talking about 45 minute drive from orlando out there to raymond james stadium there should have a ton of fans there georgia tech will too but ucf should have a ton of fans there look to show up and show out for their Golden Knight supporters. So uh, they, I agree with you, man. This could be a fun one uh, as well to kick off the uh, bowl weekend.
1: Yeah, Lane Kiffin used to say, get your popcorn ready. I think that's kind of what's going to be happening in this one. R.J. Harvey leads the backfield, 1,200 yards rushing, 16 touchdowns. Gus Miles on squad is going to be ready to go. But I really think Brent Key and company, they really, really want this game. Uh, I, I'm excited. I mean, UCF, of course, they, they finished off their season, the first season in the Big 12. They were the only team the only new addition to make a, uh, that was a new addition in the power five. They they joined the big 12. None of the other teams made a bowl game. So this could be a really like an exclamation mark to the end of the season for Gus Malzahn's first year in the big 12. Let's move into the games on Saturday because we start with Troy and Duke. Both programs are going to be without their head coach. Mike Elko of course is off to Texas AM. John Summerall is off to Tulane. So I feel like this is almost the antithesis of the game that we just discussed. Because the Blue Devils, they've been decimated by the transfer portal. Seven starters so far at the time of this recording are gone. Riley Leonard, of course, is off to, to Notre Dame. Uh, Jordan Waters is gone too. We'll see what Grayson Loftus can do in the wake of the – I mean, he, he started a lot of the season in the wake of the Leonard ankle injury. He was okay. Um, but Jordan Waters, of course, the great running back, um, he's going to be replaced by Joquez Moore, who they split carries with most of the season. He's still at 600 yards, six touchdowns. Um, I'm very interested to see what Duke actually throws out there. I really don't know what to expect from the Blue Devils in this one. At least Troy has a strong identity. They run the ball well. Uh, Kimmy Vidal was the Sun Belt Offensive of Player of the Year. He had 1,500 yards rushing, 14 touchdowns, 233 yards in the Sun Belt Championship game. Uh, quarterback Gunnar Watson is going to be good enough for them to, to, to really make a good impre- impression on this one. They play good defense too. So I fully expect Troy to control this football game mostly because I don't really know what to expect from Duke.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's a number of games on Saturday where I wouldn't be surprised to hit a lot see a lot more people hit the transfer portal after uh, you know they participate in the bowl yeah. game you know, with the window still being open. We'll, we'll see who um h- how that plays itself out. Look, uh Troy's got a new head coach. Gerald Parker, the former Notre Dame offensive coordinator, uh is in tow. And and so they are going to be Uh, the players who are going to be looking to make a statement. Uh, This is a guy that probably hadn't paid a ton of attention to Troy and what he may be working with. I I find those angles interesting when you're trying to put on tape what you can do for a head coach coming in. So, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, Kamani Vidal, uh, right here out of uh, the state of Georgia, I believe. Um, He's been carrying the load all season long. I look for him to continue to do so. Uh, But more importantly, I do look for Troy – uh, those guys to put something on tape for their new head coach, try and prove uh, what they can do.
1: Same can be said about Manny Diaz who's coming down yep. to the Blue Devils for yep. uh, for for Duke. And I think this is interesting from that angle. So uh, that's the one that we're going to roll with. All right, so let's move into the Camellia Bowl. One of my favorites, actually the first ever bowl game that uh, – or one of the first bowl games that I've been to, uh, Camellia Bowl over there in, in Alabama. It's a lot of fun. Small little stadium, kind of a granite stadium. That uh, it's a, it, it's It's a cool spot to watch a bowl game. Arkansas State and Northern Illinois are going to be playing in this one. Butch Jones. Yes, that Butch Jones is that coach of Arkansas State. He's looking to end the season on a positive note. And the offense can really crank it up. Or it doesn't show up. 425 yards feels like the magic number for these guys. 6-0 and oh when they hit it. 0-6 oh when they don't. They like to run the ball. And the Huskies have a good enough defense, but they never seem to show up for bowl games. They've lost seven in a row. Seven bowl games in a row. They also run the ball pretty well, but that's pretty much all they can do with all of the receivers that they've now lost in the transfer portal. Feels like a game that Arkansas State could should control. Yeah. I look, I I never know how much of this
0: carries over to bowls. I certainly don't believe in the trend of like, you're a good bowl team or you've lost seven in a row. Like you could throw the numbers out there. I know you love them. You looked them up. seven in a row is a
1: lot. Why not
0: use them? I don't care. I just, I just, I can't believe that anyone thinks that carries over. I just don't believe it. (laughs) Uh, I will say this about Northern Illinois. Uh, They got an outstanding pass defense. One of the best in the country, top 10 overall unit there on passing uh, defensively. So uh, we'll we'll see if they uh, uh, what Arkansas State looks to do. They've obviously got to have some success in the run game if they're going to move the ball uh, on this one. Also, um, like a little shout out to our our mascot who's laying beside me now, Chipper. We've got uh, the NIU Huskies against the Arkansas State Red Wolves. So a little little canine combat going on there noon on Saturday.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it should be a lot of fun there. James Madison and Air Force. They're going to be taking on well. It's the armed forces bowl. They're going to be playing each other in that one. James Madison, they deserve this. Uh, they should have played in the Sunbelt championship too. But um, of course you have NCAA rules that don't make any sense and they like to, to d- play by their own rules, but they did lose Kurt Signetti to Indiana along with a number of his assistants. Uh, Jordan McLeod of course is gone uh, after this game, but he is going to be playing in here. So I don't know who's actually going to be there uh for james madison i don't know if it's going to be a, a shell of their former selves but i think they're still going to show up for this game this is gonna be a big one for them air force of course had a really special season going they started the year eight and oh but they got really derailed and into the season on a four game losing streak uh look they have one of the best rushing attacks they make no secret about it it's an option attack they can throw it a little bit too but they want to run the ball um and james madison is historically good at stopping the run they've only allowed 61 yards per game on the ground and this front seven is really the biggest thing for them they are lethal they lead college football in tackles for loss and they're tied for third in sacks um i think the time off should help them get healthy again uh, that being uh, Arizona, uh excuse me air force they've kind of struggled in the health department so i think they, they should be able to rest up a little bit i think that the the matchup between the james madison front seven and this Air Force rushing attack is really going to be very fascinating to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it with Air Force uh, with the eight no start, and right as they really started to get some national attention, it just kind of fell off. Uh, they get absolutely obliterated by Army twenty three to three, and and uh, don't seem to recover. I lost a close one to UNLV a couple weeks later, but uh, James Madison at at eleven and one, just the one slip up. App State close game. I remember that one went into overtime. He had the batted ball. There's all sorts of nonsense going on uh, Mm -hmm. in that one. So uh, Mm -hmm. I I like James Madison. Uh, I I really do. And we talk about teams that have something to prove in bowl season. Yeah. And again, the term meaningless, you use it however you want. Uh, I mean, I I don't care either way. Uh, But there are definitely teams who have motivation. Uh, now, that doesn't mean the other team has motivation, and you can judge that as you will as well. We'll talk about that when we get to the <laughs> Orange Bowl with Georgia and Florida State down the road a little bit later. Um, but it, it, this is a situation where I think James Madison wants to prove uh, itself. Uh, it was it was denied an opportunity to play in the New Year's Six, denied an opportunity to play in the conference title game, as you mm-hmm. mentioned. Uh, th- this is by default because they were forced into it, their championship and i think that they're going to be out for blood in this one Uh, i agree with what you said the matchups do seem to favor james madison if they are able to look like they have through the main portion of the season defensively so uh unlike some of the other games we talked about this one might be a little low scoring might be a little more plotting um but uh doesn't make it any less interesting i would say it'll be intriguing all the same yeah
1: yeah i mean you can tell how much how much this means to james madison i mean you have a starting quarterback who's quite literally transferring. He's in the portal or he's about to be in the portal, but he's still playing and practicing with his teammates. And he says, I'm going to finish what we started. They they had a really special season over there at James Madison. And I, I think you can really tell how important it is to them. But speaking of a team that got off to a hot start and finished on a sl- at a sluggish finish, the Panthers, Georgia state, they were cooking to start this season six and one, but then they lost in some blowouts down the stretch finished. zero and five, to finish the year. Of course, they're now six and six turnovers were a big deal for them. They have to protect the football. Um, and the running back, Marcus Carroll, he was the biggest, one of the biggest reasons they found a lot of success on offense. He led the team with 1300 yards, 13 touchdowns. He of course is off to Missouri. Um, on the other hand, Utah state beat up on the bad teams on its schedule and went Oh, in six to teams playing in bowl games. Four of those losses were by 10 plus points. So, I don't really know what to make of this one. This one should be a lot of fun. Not a lot of defense, but a ton of offense. Even though Marcus Carroll isn't going to be playing in this game, both units I expect are going to go over 400 yards.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest. What I look for out of the Potato Bowl every year is it just a nightmare weather situation. <laughs> um, I'm hoping it's cold. I'm hoping it's snowy. Like, give me the blizzard. Like, I, I mean. Unlike what we saw with that App State ball game uh last Saturday where it was just rainy and ugly and muddy and no one could hold on to the ball and all that. Like, give me just straight blizzard. I don't want rain and mud. I want blizzard and slippery and a dude with a rake coming through to clear out the lines. I haven't looked at the uh I haven't looked at the the weather there in Boise. I should have, but uh yeah, I mean you nailed it with Georgia State. This is a team that needs to score to win games. Uh, they're not winning games with their defense. They had what four straight, five straight game, whatever, they're giving up forty plus points through that five game losing streak. Uh, they only won one game this year when they scored twenty five or less. Uh, so so they've got to get on the board if they're gonna to want to beat Utah State.
1: Unfortunately, looks Don't like perfect it. weather out there in no. Boise, Idaho on Saturday. I'll make I'll make some calls. We'll get Mother Nature. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. We'll do a little rain dance or something over here. Um, it's going to be like mid thirties or something, which is, it's pretty chilly considering most bowl games are played in sunny Florida or something like that. And no, you get to go up to Boise, Idaho. So have fun out there, Georgia state and Utah state. Uh, next up, we got the 68 ventures bowl, South Alabama and Eastern Michigan. Um, look South Alabama, they've never won a bowl game, but I feel like this could be a year of first for them. Uh, they're playing a not so very good Eastern Michigan team, uh, but they've had a very roller coaster type of season. They started out by getting rolled by Tulane, then they blow out, and I mean blow out Oklahoma State in Stillwater, and then all of a sudden you face plant the next week against Central Michigan, a, a pretty bad Central Michigan team, only to turn around and, and really give James Madison their biggest shove of the entire season at that point in a tough loss the next week. So if you're really trying to find a team with consistency, this is not your squad. Um, but I will say they're six and zero when they run for more than 190 yards or more, uh, or 190 yards or more, but then they turn over sporadically. They have four turnovers in those six wins. And then they have 15 in their six losses. Uh, so don't turn the ball over, run the ball effectively. That's really what you want to do if you're South Alabama. And unfortunately for them, Eastern Michigan can actually take the ball away pretty well but they really aren't good at anything else. Um, we'll see with this. Chris Creighton, I think, has, has done a great job with this Eastern Michigan team. Since he took over, I think it was like 2017, uh, they had won, they've been to six bowl games since 1974. Let's say that. Their, their program was founded in 1974. He took over in 2017. He's responsible for five of their six bowl trips since 1974. So I think he'll have them ready for ready to go for this one. I still don't think that that's going to be enough for South Alabama. I think they're going to just be able to do too much with the ball. And that doesn't help that you don't have your starting quarterback, Austin Smith. He has opted out for this game.
0: Yeah. And just to add on to the South Alabama love in this one, this is a game played in Mobile, Alabama, and you do imagine they will have some comfort and, and some home field advantage to further boost maybe any edge they do have over Eastern Michigan. So you look out for that. Uh, you know, some of these bowl games, you get worried about the crowd size. Uh, but but, you know, when you do see a situation like this where they're playing relatively close to home, you hope they can caravan. You hope they can fill up the stadium and and uh, give both teams a good atmosphere for for a bowl game.
1: Yeah, I think it should be a lot of fun. Uh, so let's move into one of our actual ranked matchups, the Las Vegas Bowl, Utah and Northwestern. I think that this one you might have the ranking on there, but I think this might be one of the ugliest games of the weekend. Both teams like to play methodical, plotting football, and they'll battle for field position. Of course, Utah playing without its quarterback. Northwestern, it's hard to really make what they are, but they rallied behind David Braun. He was just named the full-time head coach of Northwestern earlier this month. Uh, Ben Bryant was good enough most of the season for a pretty limited offense, threw for 230 yards in three of his seven starts, which, I mean, at the end of the day, that's okay. Uh, But Bryson Barnes for Utah, he's entered the portal. Uh, Nate Johnson, he's already transferred to Vanderbilt. So we'll see. Um, But uh, wait, wait, no, I think Bryson Barnes is actually playing in this game. Uh, But he is going to enter the portal after this game. Uh, I think this could be a really good propeller for him, I guess, or maybe some extra tape for him. Uh, But look, at the end of the day, I, I don't expect a lot of fireworks in this game.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because when I think about bowl games and I think about what's liable to slip from what you were in the regular season, I think hard-nosed defense more so than anything else is the one. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, there's there's a mindset thing or, or what you're playing for or a lack of um, activity. You know, practice becomes a little bit different because you're mm-hmm. not necessarily preparing for a game. You're preparing for all of next season and, and you're using uh, those practices differently than you would for your regular game week stuff. And, and so when you do get into a situation where you have two defensive-minded oriented teams, uh, does that, that lack a little bit? So that actually gives me some intrigue to see if these will be uh, uh, the defenses we think about where a winner could have 17, 20, 21 points or if someone's able to reach the 30s. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, you, you do credit Northwestern for what they've been able to do this year. They, they've they had a lot of issues surrounding the program just to get to a bowl game, uh, is yeah. pretty uh, impressive. So, uh, kudos to them. They had to win their last three games well, I guess two games because they had ended up with seven, but uh, they went on a run. Uh, they won four of their last five. Their only loss was a well, it was Iowa. So, <clears throat> what are you gonna do? It was 10 7. But uh, uh, they've so they're been used on to roll- playing these slugfests. Yeah, they've been on a roll a little bit, so it'll be something to look forward to if they can keep that up and uh, keep the yutes out of the end zone.
1: Yeah, and honestly, the the job that David Braun has done yeah. this season has been really a masterclass. Um, what he inherited, the, the situation that was going on at Northwestern over the over the course of the summer was just a bit of a nightmare. And I mean, they really rallied behind him, um, and and they had they actually turned in a, a respectable season, all things considered. Yeah. But let's move into the nightcap, the wonderful Hawaii Bowl, a game that everyone wants to go to. Um, but, you know, it's the middle of the night and way over there, very far away. I'd love to go to this game. I think it'd be a lot of fun, mostly because I just want to go to Hawaii. But Coastal yeah, Carolina and San Jose State are heading out there. Um, the starting quarterback, actually, for San Jose San Jose State, uh, Shevin Corrierdo started his career as the guy under center for Hawaii. Uh, he was uh, – now he's coming home. And I think that's really cool. Uh, backed up to a, a low in high school. That was the biggest thing. He was first team all mountain West this season, 22 touchdowns averages 38.7 points per game. Do the San Jose state. Um, what are they, the warriors? I think of the Warriors. No, that, that's Hawaii, but, uh, they've averaged 38.7 points. Per Spartans. Games. Spartans. I knew it was some warrior of some kind. It was like, I, I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but they finished the season on a six game winning streak. Um, The Spartans haven't lost since October 7th, and that was a game to Boise State to cap off a really tough start to their schedule. Uh, Meanwhile, the Chanticleers, they're going to be without Grayson McCall, who, of course, just transferred over to NC State. Jared Brown, the wide receiver, is also in the transfer portal. And the biggest thing is that when Grayson McCall went down with the injury, it seemed like the the defense sort of disappeared, too. They allowed 365 yards to a really not-so-good Army team, and then 481 yards in a blowout loss to end the season. Uh really they've just been trending downward has Coastal Carolina.
0: Yeah, playing this game without Grayson McCall is going to be tough. You mentioned he's transferring to the ACC. I mean, this is the guy that almost transferred to Florida uh, a year ago before they settled on Graham so That that was the mm-hmm. rumor. So, he's kind of been one foot out, one foot in, one foot out, but one, once he returned uh to the Chanticleers, he he went full heads in and, and was ready for the season he's an outstanding talent. I, I, you know, it's going to be tough to recover without him. So, uh, you know, I look for San Jose state just with the familiarity of their offense to do some things, but, uh, you know, also the impact of, and I know they'll be out there for a couple of days, but travel time, obviously we know San Jose is already on the West coast. They they still got to fly quite a bit. Um, but, but not quite as much as coastal Carolina. We'll see if there's any, uh, impact from that sort of travel as well.